Welcome back to Hindsight is 2019, the podcast where we look at 250 years of Dartmouth history through 25 objects from the library's archival collections, one per decade. I'm Julia Logan. I'll be your host for this episode. On July 24, 1838, as part of commencement week exercises, Ralph Waldo Emerson delivered an oration to the literary societies of Dartmouth College. In Emerson's words, he urges students to be content with a little light so it be your own. Explore and explore. Be neither chided nor flattered out of your position of perpetual inquiry. Neither dogmatize nor accept another's dogmatism. Why should you renounce your right to traverse the starlit deserts of truth for the premature comforts of an acre house and barn? Truth also has its roof and bed and board. Make yourself necessary to the world, and mankind will give you bread, and if not store of it, yet such as shall not take away your property in all men's possessions, in all men's affections, in art, in nature, and in hope. Emerson is revered as one of America's most beloved philosophers, writers, and lecturers, and as a central figure in the transcendentalist movement. Unlike some of his contemporaries who gained notoriety posthumously, Emerson experienced success in a pop star-like status during his lifetime. He was a sought-after lecturer and speaker and drew large crowds to hear him speak. That's not to say he didn't have his naysayers. Emerson's philosophical views were controversial and deemed as radical by more conservative thinkers. In fact, Shortly before Emerson spoke at Dartmouth, he delivered an address to the senior class of the Harvard Divinity School, his alma mater. Now, I haven't read the transcript, but I do know that whatever he said caused him to be banned from campus for decades after. To borrow a line from a colleague, Emerson was America's literary bad boy. His philosophy of looking inward, the importance of the individual and the concept of God in nature was very anti-establishment at the time a stark contrast to the traditional sense of Christian religion that was being taught at Dartmouth and other colonial institutions like Harvard. Emerson was mixing things up a bit, and the students embraced the controversy. In our 1870s podcast episode, Poet for Sale, Jay Satterfield speaks to Walt Whitman's presence on campus as an effort of the literary societies to offend the genteel conservative tastes of the Dartmouth College faculty. Whitman's address was 34 years after Emerson, but there isn't a doubt in my mind that pissing off the faculty was also a factor in inviting Emerson to campus. It was during this visit in 1838 that he gifted his book of essays, Nature, to the Society of Social Friends, one of two literary societies active at Dartmouth in the 1830s. It is this copy that is the object of today's podcast. The Society of Social Friends, founded in 1783, and the United Fraternity, founded in 1786, gave birth to the fraternity system at Dartmouth. Literary societies provided students with a social outlet and a sense of brotherhood that Greek letter societies would continue later in the 19th century. The societies focused their main activities on debate, oration, and reading. In Richardson's History of Dartmouth College, he states that competition was the life of the societies and that their strength as organizations depended upon rivalry and the principal tie which bound the members together was a desire to get the better of the other group. Each society maintained a library which served as a great source of pride for its members. According to Richardson, 
The nature of the college collection was such that most of the students and instructing staff relied perforce almost exclusively on the society libraries. The organizations thus did a real service to the college and one which continued long after any other reason for their existence had passed away. The hours of operation for the college library were extremely limited. Each class was granted an hour in the college collections per week, and that was at the convenience of the college librarian. To paint the picture of college culture in the 1830s a little more vividly, let me refer to the laws of Dartmouth College printed in 1837. Under the section on crimes and misdemeanors, no student shall purchase or have in his room spiritus or vinous liquor, or play at cards, dice, or any unlawful game, or meet with any forbidden club or society, or join in any combination or agreement of unlawful purposes, any improper noise or disturbance on the part of the students at any hour of the day or night, and any frequenting of taverns or other places of public resort shall be punished by fine or otherwise at the discretion of the faculty. I mean, come on, no wonder the students took the opportunity to ruffle the faculty's feathers when they had the chance. Emerson's book of essays, Nature, established the principles of transcendentalism. It is stated that, since its publication in 1836, nature was both welcomed and damned as the first clear blast of New England's transcendental horn. In the introduction, Emerson emboldens readers to pursue their own relationship with God through nature, to seek out a direct experience with both and not to accept or depend on traditional institutional religion or what mankind had created before him. You can imagine how this didn't go over too well with the Harvard Divinity School audience. Dartmouth's copy of Nature is a first edition published in 1836 by Monroe and Company out of Boston. The item itself is unassuming, and there is nothing really outstanding about its physicality. It is bound in brownish-colored cloth, embossed with a floral pattern, and the single-word title Nature stamped in gold but it is what is inside that makes the object so cool and so very valuable to understanding student perspective. On the inside paste down of the book, the social friend's book plate is visible. We know from that plate that it was once shelved on shelf 196 in the social friend's library, which at the time occupied space in Reed Hall, a building still standing. You can tell it was a popular volume. Throughout the text, selects passages have been underlined and marked in pencil and ink by students. Even Emerson himself inscribed the copy. The book was originally published anonymously. On the title page of our copy, under the printed title Nature, Emerson claims authorship by adding a subtitle and his signature, A Mystery of Mysteries by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Additionally, on the front free end paper, the words, presented by R.W. Emerson, orator of the Literary Societies of 1838, are penned in ink by Emerson. Remnants of dog-eared pages, which perhaps marked where the reader left off or flagged a passage worthy of revisiting at a later time, are scattered throughout. The student scribbles are varied. Some were flippant, others pondering deeper meaning and the validity of Emerson's words. The sentence, I am part of particle of God, on page 13, is underlined. Penciled in the margin next to it is the word, ridiculous. Another student writes, Mr. Emerson should have carried his principles more into practice. And my favorite of all, written in blue ink on the last page, a little plainer, Mr. Emerson. 
which is exactly how I felt when trying to research this podcast. More often than not, we find ourselves analyzing the actions and responses of the administration through their reports, publications, correspondence, meeting minutes, etc., as a way to delve into the college's history, because these are the records that exist. What students are creating, their experiences, activities, over the relatively short time on campus, does not always make its way into the archives, and this is due in part because of the ephemeral nature of student memory. But student memory is integral to understanding a more complete history of Dartmouth. This is why our 1836 edition of Nature is so cool. It's an example of when an item moves from being a rare book to more of a historical document, from which we can interpret student thought, what they found to be important, and what they questioned. Not only is it a tangible object for us to remember Emerson's visit to campus 180 years ago, but more importantly, it captures students' intellectual curiosity and being adventurous in their thinking. In the words of Emerson, the sun shines today also. There is more wool and flax in the fields. There are new lands, new men, new thoughts. Let us demand our own works and laws and worship. Hindsight is 2019 is a production of the Dartmouth College Library and is produced as part of the celebration of Dartmouth's 250th anniversary, highlighting selected objects from Rauner Special Collections Library. This episode was written and directed by Julia Logan and produced by Jay Satterfield. Our sound engineer was Laura Barrett. Additional sound engineering by Joshua Shaw. Thank you for listening, and we hope you continue to enjoy Hindsight is 2019. Hi, this is Laura Barrett, sound engineer for this episode. The following songs were used in the episode and sourced from the Free Music Archive. Surfing Day by Marcos H. Bolanos, Living in a Dream by Twin Guns, Deluge by Cellophane Sam, and Wandering by Ryan Little.